And of course, the credit is given to Picasso for revolutionizing that style of painting during that time. But he didn't do that. It was already been done. Today, we're talking to Melanie Barnett and how the Black Lives Matter movement is affecting the design industry. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. We'd like to give a shout out to Article and thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. Run on over and check them out. Wingnut.article.com. And now Article has something extra special for Wingnut listeners. If you go to wingnut.article.com, you'll get double your trade discount on all purchases until July 31st. To access this limited time offer, sign up today again at wingnut.article.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla Mercury Powell, and I am joined by Natalie Retrograde Graph. Hey, Natalie, how the hell are you? Hot. Oh my gosh, I'm melting. <laughs> it is warm. I like a ding dong. I rode the Peloton and jumped in the pool to try to cool off, took a cold shower to try to cool off, and then I was like, you know, I didn't have enough coffee this morning. Let me pour myself a cup of black coffee. And so now I'm sweating. In our studio with no AC. Yes. Well, we do have AC in our defense. Well, the problem is, is that the air It's handler, so loud. Right. The air handlers ride up against the actual studio where we close the door. And so, you know, Darla has to have good sound quality. So we sweat and suffer. I'll tell you what, I've never been so thankful for our pool as I was this morning. I tried to go out and run today with Rob and Arzon. They have the outdoor Peloton things. Oh, my gosh. How'd that work it. for you? You know, today wasn't my day. <laughs> you know what? Tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new day. You're absolutely right. I had so much lactic acid build up in my calves. I just I had to walk in between intervals. I was I was being really hard on myself, right? Because I tend to beat myself up. But you, you know, do that. But you, you know, know, I showed up. You showed up and you mm -hmm. did it. And you know, for all of our audiences listening, I know that Darla has been posting like a lot of TikToks and she's really, really been on the TikTok game. So I thought you guys would like to know a little tiny bit of insider information <laughs> here. Uh, last night I had a dream that I was walking through a mall with none other than Nicole Heimer of Kira Electro and <laughs> really? we're walking by this store and it's a store that has a whole bunch of like baby items and Nicole's like hey Nat we got to go in here because we got to get little forks and little spoons and little knives and plates so Darla can do her TikToks <laughs> and uh, it was like so it was just like there it was I have no idea but so Nicole I made you pick them all out, and then I don't know what happened next. But yeah, so TikTok has like been on the brain here at Wingnut Social and Darla Palantiris. What does this dream mean? Clearly, it's too much with a TikTok for you. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe TikTok. Or I don't know. when was the last time they did a drug screening at your work? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Hey, I was tested for COVID yesterday. I was negative. Natalie, unless you've been living in a cave, you know that the Black Lives Matter movement has resurfaced in a, a huge way in this country. And there's a lot of reform and a lot of changes going on. 99.99% in a positive direction, I think. And today our guest, Melanie Barnett, who founded the Black Artist Designers Guild, is going to give us a little bit of her insight on any progress that she's seen going forward and what still needs to be done in this industry. All right. So let me tell you guys about Melanie Barnett. 
Melanie Barnett is an artist based in Brooklyn, New York. In 2018, oh, pretty recent, she founded the Black Artist and Designers Guild to combat the lack of representation of Black talent and culture in the design industry. The BADG is a global platform seeking to represent a curated collective of independent Black artists, makers, and designers across various art and design disciplines who are at the top of their game in their respective fields. Wingnuts, Help me in welcoming Melanie Barnett to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Melanie Barnett. Welcome to the podcast. How the hell are you? Thank you for having me. I am well. It's a warm day and I'm excited to experience some sunshine, to be honest. Oh, we were just talking about that. We're melting here in Miami and our studio doesn't have AC, or at least we can't run it while we're recording because it makes too much noise. So we basically, I'm here in shorts and flip flops with my shirt halfway up. So I I might be going out in the boat in a couple hours after I record this. So I have my um, my boat shorts on and just my bathing suit top because it's so hot. Lucky you that you're near the water, though. I'm a bit envious and uh, it's always my goal to be close to the water. So lucky you. The water is peaceful, right? It is. It is. It, it has that peace, calming. I don't know. I, I love it. I'm it's gonna, cleansing. It's cleansing. I love it. In more ways than one. more people need to be out there. So, Melanie, I'm not sure if you've heard our podcast before, but we tend to be very informative, but also a little bit light. But today's topic isn't quite as light as some of the ones we've done in the past. It's really serious. And today we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and the state of Black designers in the design industry currently. And who better to talk to than the founder of the Bad Guild, right? Yes. And uh, to see what your personal experience has been what you see changing and what still needs a ton of work, I'm sure. So the protests have brought to the forefront the issues of inequality and racism, actually. And I just wanted to start off and see what has your experience been in the design industry and what prompted you to start the Black Artist and Designers Guild? Well, I've been in the industry for more than 20 years. If I think back to when I was in college of the lack of Black designers who were put in the forefront of the industry or the visibility in general, there were very few. And that was 26 years ago. And it was uh, 2018 and we were still experiencing the same, as I say, (laughs) it's just nonsense and it's just unacceptable. And I realized, you know, I have many colleagues, black designers, makers, artists, not just in the U.S., but globally. And it always been my dream to bring us together as a collective And when I started the Guild in 2018, it was a moment when I had taken a sabbatical from my business because I wanted to change the way I was working and I was looking to explore a different medium because I felt the industry truly hadn't supported my voice. And I was tired of, you know, creating work that didn't represent who I was culturally, personally, and creatively. And so I had a chance to look at the industry from different eyes because I stepped aside and I thought community is what is important specifically to black people. Interpersonal relationships are some of the principles that we live by. And I just thought it was time for us to come together and create a safe space where we could just be. I love it. That is how it started. Even though there was an industry event that really got me to thinking at time, I, I need to do this now more so than ever. And it was an event in uh, New York during September. What's new? What's next? And 
it's about designers coming together and talking about different subjects. And, you know, it happens every year. And there were no black artists, designers, makers, not on a panel, not moderating. There was none. And I said to myself, first of all, we're in New York City. And then second of all, it's just unacceptable. And so I made a post on Instagram about it, calling out the industry. And I said, hey, Let's see if everybody else feels the same way. And everyone started to chime in and editors of magazines started to uh, comment because they're all complicit, all complicit. You know, I agree. I've only been in the design industry for a little over three years, and um, I've personally seen the underrepresentation at High Point Market. Mm -hmm. And I've been on a couple of panels, and I've been to a lot of panels, and the black designers, they're hardly even on panels. And I have to say that the two that I was on that had a black designer both times was Corey Damon Jenkins <laughs> as you know, a yes. representative. So there is a lot of underrepresentation in, in the the design groups, you know, that I'm in on Facebook, a lot of the black designers, actually, that's what alerted me to it. They started speaking up saying, where is the representation at High Point? And that's really the only market I've been to okay. on panels and stuff. So I, I have personally seen that too. So so when you did start the Black Artists and Designers Guild, we talked about that being in 2018. Yeah. Have you seen, since you started this movement, any improvement in that area at all? Or what do you see happening now with the, the movement? And everything? Well, it's interesting. When we started, the support was very minimal. It was very minimal. There were a few publications who supported what we're doing, few industry brands, um, you know, a few individual designers. To be honest, Darl, I know a lot of the people in the industry. They know me. I'm, you know, so, and, you know, they would say, oh, that's nice. That's, that's great that you're doing it. But they weren't supporting in a way that they could. It was more like, oh, that's a nice gesture. And fast forward to 2020, I would just say the last month. For sure. Where all of a sudden uh, everyone has woken up to some level of consciousness. And now they are supporting and looking to the guild as the source to be a part of the change as far as for their own individual growth, their journeys and looking and companies, big companies are reaching out to us wanting to develop long-term partnerships. Because to be honest, Darla, we're only interested in long-term membership as we're calling it because partner can be interpreted in many ways. And we want you to be a member of what we're doing and we're allowing companies to decide what that means, but we also have set a, a guidelines of what that means for us, which is number one, a financial investment. And number two, it's a company of individuals that are going to make the commitment to our mission, which is about creating an equitable and inclusive creative culture, in addition to honoring the ancestral practices of the African diaspora. And how do we create space to recognize our talent and our experience? And so would it be safe to say since you started the Guild that your biggest challenge was just getting the support and the people behind it? Yeah, the biggest support. Yeah, for, for sure. And it's just like any startup. We're, we're still in startup phase. And we know that and it, just like a business, it's, it's the same. You need money to grow it. I started with the money in my own account, my own pocket. I didn't ask anybody for anything. And this is typical of black owned businesses. We don't have the access to the loans. We don't have the family member who's going to give us the investment or, you know, someone left us a ton of money. So we've always relied on the community and what we had to grow it. And I've done that. And of course, now we have membership and, you know, that is growing, but hey, listen, if we really want to grow this, we're going to need a serious investment. And that's what we're looking for. 
and then we need we need the support. Yeah, money talks for sure. And to back to your point about it being a long term thing, I have seen a lot of posts in the design industry that I'm hoping aren't knee jerk, right? That are just are taking advantage of the moment and showing the solidarity. And then, you know, next month, it'll be Oh, you know, that was so, yes. <laughs> you know, a month ago or something. So really, the proof in the pudding is the dedication and, and seeing what what's going to go down long term and what kind of commitment and how supportive the design industry is going to be of this movement. I, I personally feel that it's going to stick, that I do think that there has been a light that has been lit mm-hmm. in, in this area. Yeah, so what's the selection process like for designers who want to join the guild? Oh, there you go. Good question. Well, basically, because our artists, designers, and our makers are all independent business owners, so that's the first criteria. They have to own their own business and be in business for three years um, because mm-hmm. we want to advance the community and who are that have active practices. And we don't define what that means, but as long as your practice is active, we want to support you. And then you need to have a website, Instagram, portfolio. And then we have a, a committee that reviews the application. Have you found that um, some of the bigger organizations are already on board? Can you say who's already on board and being supportive or are we not at that point yet? Well, no, I mean, I could share companies in the past who have been supportive. Um, for example, like Fabricut, they've been supportive from the beginning. You know, we just did a big event at the D&D building where Made Goods, Vaughn Lighting, Delaquana and Fabricut as well. They were all a part of that event. Lux Magazine, House Beautiful, El Decor, you know, Architectural Digest. So some of and, and Business of Home, you know, they They've all have been right. sharing our story about our work and whatnot. Again, all of these publications, they all still need lots of improvement. And it's not even about improvement. Really, Darla, what has to happen is all these systems need to be demolished. There has to be a level of decolonizing design and what that means and how we are defining that, because there's only a select few who are deciding that. And it is keeping many communities out. It's not just the black community, but every other community per se, because Mm -hmm. what has happened is that this awareness of social justice and equality is not a new thing. The, The uproars have happened, you know, over time. And, you know, since the existence of black people being in this country, we've always been fighting for the right to just be and be human. But people don't really understand the history of this country, nor the history of the sectors of the country. So there's a lot of work that has to be done. And we need to really bring in the people who have done the research to help guide us on this journey, which again, as the design industry is one of the least transparent industries that you will find. Because you don't know how things are done. You don't know how people get on these lists. You don't Mm. know how they're selecting who gets print. Do you understand? It's not open. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because one of our biggest things here at Wingnut and how we've gotten our foot in the door and a lot of things is just networking and who you know. It's not what you know so much, it's who you know. So there is that that element. So let's deconstruct a little bit. So if we're talking about demolishing the way things are now, what does that look like? What do we rebuild? What needs to be in place? Well, to be honest, uh, the whole system needs to be rebuilt. I mean, there are different sectors. You have to look at education. You could start there. I mean, we, if you're going to school for design, well, what are they teaching you about design? It's all from one perspective, which is generally European perspective. And that's part of the problem. So you are, we're constantly being fed what is 
good design? What What is modern design? And again, focused on a European, which is not. I mean, modern design started in Africa because if you think about it, most of those European designers went there and they sourced from, you know, my culture, my people, my heritage, and they've claimed it as their own. They've looked at indigenous cultures. And again, looking at the, whether it's the principles, the, the um, design aesthetics, they're, t- they've been taking from that, those people and again, claiming it as their own. And what I'm saying is that we need to rewrite this narrative and give the credit to the originators of creativity and design and start leading with the indigenous voices, with the black voices and then talk about how these principles have been influenced in a particular person's practice versus the other way around. How can we find that out? Because to me, I mean, I have almost like goosebumps because that is news to me. And where where would you go as a designer to find out this history or find out these resources? Because I'm, like I said, I've only been in it for three years and my edu- education is limited. But I think the the first thing is that you people have to be curious and want to question. Example. You know, we all know we, I'm using, say, Picasso as an example. You know, a lot of people love his work and loved his paintings, but how many of them know that he spent time in West Africa and studied the sculptures from the Yoruba and was intrigued by how they were able to create stylized versions of figures? And he took that. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah, he took all of that. Yeah. And of course, The credit is given to Picasso for revolutionizing that style of painting during that time. But he didn't do that. It was already been done. Natalie Andrea. Yes, Darla Jethro Powell. Our sponsor, Article.com, the online-only furniture company, is pretty sweet. Tell me about it. They ship like speed of light, man. Boom. It's there. (laughs) Well, you know, two weeks shipping or less because 80% of their items are usually in their catalog and in stock. That's like insane. You know what I love about them? I love that their items are gorgeous. The price point is really good. This customer service is terrific. And you know that they have designers on staff to actually help you with your selections, like real certified interior designers who are going to know what it is you're looking for, who can speak what you speak. Hey, that's pretty impressive. So get on over there. Check them out at wingnut.article.com. That's wingnut.article.com. And we have a lot of listeners in the design industry, and we have a lot of movers and shakers, and we also have newbie designers. I mean, this podcast reaches thousands around the world, right? So say that someone wanted to be supportive or wanted to get involved or wanted to be more active instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I sympathize. What steps do we take to help support the the bad guild? Besides, you know, of course, we accept donations and that's easy. You could go to the website. But if you want to go deeper, you're going to have to do the work on yourself personally and then start to educate your friends, your family. And that's how things will change. But one, of course, the financial investment. Two is you have to decolonize yourself personally. You have to start reading books. There are a lot out there. The thing is, the information has always been out there. There are so many scholars who have been doing work about how to be anti-racist. There's a book out, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad. I mean, there's so many. There's White Fragility where Dr. Uh, Robin D'Angelo, and she's talking specifically to white people about how, why is it so difficult to talk about race? And those type of issues. So the information is there. My question is, how uncomfortable do you want to get? H- how much are you willing to give up 
It is a hard conversation sometimes, and we have to really be introspective and look at ours and say, say how complicit have we been, you know, <laughs> in perpetuating some of these issues that are going on. And all these books that you mentioned are going to be in the show notes, guys, at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. We will link to all of that. You mentioned something, though, Darla, about where do you find the information, right? In this day and age, we, we all have access to Google if we are on the Internet. But what happens is it starts with you wanting to know. And then once you take that step of wanting to know, the information is there in many, many forms, from articles to books um, to attending events. And we have access to the internet and Instagram. There are so many ways to learn about this, what is going on, racism, white supremacy, systemic racism, all of that. And understanding, it starts with learning about your industry. Like if you're, we're in design, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start there. Truly understand how this industry works. Because once you start and you see, you'll see it's the same pattern in any industry. It's no different. Because racism affects us all. So it's not that you have to study each category. It's it's understanding how that whole system works. And if you really want to focus in on, say, our industry where it's involving the home industry, you'll get into redlining and understand how the government had divided up the neighborhoods and they would only give loans to certain groups. You know, you would start to really, if you do the research, you'll start to see and then you'll understand why there's a disparity on home ownership between black people and white people in this country. It's really involved. For sure. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really interwoven. Melanie, do you have some of these resources on your website? And where can people go to find that? Personally, I don't have those resources. This is again, this is just me doing my research. and The Googles. Yeah, okay. it's just the Googles and knowing, you know, and that's one part of the equation. But then when we talk about design, you know, how much of the industry or to say the designers, how much do they know about black culture in design? It's being used all the time, but how much knowledge do you know? I see Cuba cloth from the Congo and mud cloth from Mali used all the time in interior projects as a decorative item. But how much do you really know about the art of Cuba, the art of mud cloth? What is your feeling on that? Like you see the, the what is the, the juju decorations or, or things like that? Does that seen as if a designer is doing that and using that in their space? Is that considered cultural appropriation or misappropriation? How? You misappropriation. That's what I meant <laughs> yes, to say. Yeah, it is. Is it is it perceived that way? For sure. Okay. Because then if I use it, I'm labeled. And again, this is another part of the decolonizing design process. I'm labeled as, oh, that's being too ethnic. Which again, this word of ethnic has no meaning to me when it's, first of all, it's the, it's mislabeled. It's the wrong word to use. Ethnic are different groups of people within a group. But what happens is they use the word for anything that's non-white. And I refuse to accept that because again, when you say that you're telling me you're disrespecting me in so many ways, you're telling me you don't know anything about me or my culture. But when it's time to talk about French deco, or the Italian Renaissance, you're ready to just, you know, you roll off the tongue and you're able to just um, speak about it so eloquently. But when it comes to speaking about my culture, it's just grouped. So little bits. That's part of the problem too. This industry has been using Black culture so much when it comes to design, but yet not giving the credit to the people, to the community, to the culture. And all of that has to change. 
And to your point about asking the uncomfortable questions, that was an uncomfortable question for me, but I really did want to know about misappropriation. I really yeah. did want to know. And I have seen on Instagram, I have seen the, the posts. You, you know what I'm talking about, the juju. I forget what it's called. What's it called? Yeah, the juju hats. Yeah. From the camera. Hats. Thank yeah. you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I and I remember thinking, gosh, this seems kind of like it does seem kind of like a little bit of cultural misappropriation there. And I'm wondering how, you know, that is perceived by the black community. So I just wanted to ask that. And now I know. Yeah. Melanie, what is the uh, guild doing right now in the present moment to support the Black Lives Matter movement? Currently, we have three main initiatives that we're working on. We have our mission fund, of course, that is um, supporting, you know, creating a more equitable creative culture. And we're also working on our bad concept house project, which is a virtual house. We are designing us a home based in Oakland, California, specifically designed for the black family lifestyle. We have been interviewing black families from all different makeups from the single mother to the, to the gay couple to the heterosexual couple with children, all of, all of the above, because we wanted to create a space that really honed in on different characteristics of black living. And we have two of our architects who are members who are designing the space. And then we have about 20 interior designers who will be designing a room. So it's kind of, um, taking the aesthetic of a show house, but we're not calling it a show house because the whole idea is that we want this to become a reality and not so much a fantasy space. We're incorporating technology, innovation, and as well as it's a space for wellness. So that's one of our major projects that we're doing. And the idea is that this will continue and we'll be able to place this home in different cities. So as I said, Oakland is the first one. And then the last thing is that we have an education initiative that we want to definitely support our creative futures. And we have a scholarship and in place for that. And then we also have, we're looking to build funding for our visionaries, which is the current generation, you know, designers like myself who've been in the business for like 20 years plus to be able to create opportunities through residency or product development um, time. And then our legacy makers, we also want to provide funding for those who've been in the business for a long time and they still want to have that time to be creative because we believe that each generation needs the support and we are all a part of creating the narrative. And so that's why we have three different initiatives when it comes to the education. That is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, my hat is off to you. How do you find time to have a life with, oh my goodness, that is a lot. God bless you. That is, that is a ton. Um, Melania, I have to say, thank you so much for providing your insight on this. You have, you have opened my eyes on a couple of things, especially about the history and the Picasso and all. I had no idea. And I'm going to make an effort to go on the Googles and actually learn a lot more about the subject. I didn't realize how much I didn't know. So thank you for that. But now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Don't I think, sound so I know, right? I think I'm ready. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Melanie Barnett, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I would be a baobab tree. And that is a tree of life. Oh, hey. Wow. <laughs> That is an amazing, I think that's our number one tree of life. You don't get any get better than no, that. No, and, and if you didn't know, the baobab tree, it's grown throughout West Africa. It makes a fruit. It makes oil. It truly is the tree of life. So that's what I would be. 
Love it. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Oh, boy. It only has to be one. <laughs> I just think. <laughs> yeah, just I, one. Just one. <laughs> hashtag she lived, she wasn't afraid, and she made sure the community was taken care of. I know it's a long <laughs> hashtag. It's but... a long hashtag. <laughs> but she got them all in there. Look at how right? smart she is. <laughs> if you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? I would think for everyone to be educated and be curious in many ways. I just want people to be curious and, and be just be open, open to learning. I think that's the, that's it. The superpowers is that everyone to be in a state of learning eternally. I love it. And last but not least, and you've already recommended a couple, but this is the official question. Please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you, either personally or professionally. My mother, she just wrote uh, a memoir. I'm not done yet. And she's always been my first source of inspiration. And I think that's the book. That's the book that I would recommend. It's not, I think, I know that's the book I would recommend. What's your mom's name so we can have an author? Dr. Cynthia Barnett. Nice. Very impressive. No wonder you're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) She is an educator. She's retired now, but she's an educator. Uh, Yeah, it's all starting to come together. Your love of education. That's right. That's right. As our daughter would say that, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm pretty sure you never fell out or you hit every branch on the way down. Yes. (laughs) That's a saying here in our household. Love that. (laughs) Malaney, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Please tell the wingnuts listening where they can go to learn more about the Bad Guild, and we will bid you adieu. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Darla. And you could go to badguild.info. That's B-A-D-G-U-I-L-D.info. And we're also active on Instagram at badguild, B-A-D-G-U-I-L-D. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much for joining us. You have an amazing week. Thank you. You too, Darla. Thank you. Natalie Andra. Yes, Darla. That was heavy. Yeah. It's interesting. But rightfully so. Yeah, of course. Rightfully so. I mean, I thought that I was in touch and in tune with what's going on with the black community and the design community. Just from having, you know, friends in the design community who've expressed their concerns and frustrations. But uh, she definitely said some stuff there that I didn't know about the art and the design and cultural misappropriation, which I kind of kind of did know that one, you know, as gay business owners and, and owning some businesses and, and doing what we do professionally for my day job. And I think that we are teaching our daughter to be very well rounded. I think that we are have a very diversified staff. Obviously, there's always more to learn. Um, yeah, for sure. We can always improve and always I like improve what, and always more to learn and, and we can get behind and we can support the bad guild. And I like what Melanie's had to say about really it is you kind of have to take an introspective dive there and say, am I really, you know, aware of what's going on? Am I really doing my best to help support black designers or, or black community and, and all these aspects instead of just being knee jerk and, you know, posting a post here and there on Instagram, what are you really doing? I probably have to give it to my parents that I, I was raised that we don't, nobody's different. Everybody's the same. And, and unfortunately our community doesn't know that and doesn't realize that and, and, and doesn't maybe see it like I see it, but mm-hmm. we're, we're all the same. And I think that she's right. Once everything gets broken down and some changes get made, then it'll only get better moving forward. Yeah. And I do see some design industry leaders stepping forward and making those commitments. And um, time will tell about how they stick in the long run. But in my gut, I honestly do feel that there's going to be a lot of long term 
changes for the better results from right. this and it, not it's just not, it's knee not jerk. Gonna, yeah it's not going to just mm-hmm. go away overnight so yeah that was a definitely a heavy subject and, and i thank her so much much for, needed for, yes for joining us and, and and going over that with us so yeah guys so if you like what you hear please leave us a review on apple podcast or whatever the hell you're listening to this on follow us on all the social channels including tiktok at wingnut social and if you need help with your marketing for your design firm give us a call at one wingnut or head on over to wingnutsocial.com and i think that's it for today nat got anything else nope so long see you thanks for joining us today be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars can't wait then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. All right, ready? Are you not ready? Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> Can't you see that I'm no good without you? Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am your host, Darla Mercury Powell, and I'm joined by Natalie Retrograde Graff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, your I microphone. I can't even hear myself. Yeah, I can't. You know why? Because your levels aren't up. Yeah, this is a... We, we like to fly by the seat of our pants. We're good. Yeah, exactly. Good boy, Mango.